Welcome to the Ask Every Time podcast. Ask Every Time's mission is to reduce sexual assault and abuse through sexual consent education, training, and resources. Without further ado, today's episode. We have uh, Hannah with us. And um, Hannah, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And I know the the little bit that I know, and, and part of this is not rehearsing any of this ahead of time, just kind of going with the flow, uh, is that you had a relationship in the past that you were looking to speak to uh, and speak about today. Is that kind of uh, what you have ready to? Yes. Okay. Um, it was, I've only actually been in one relationship, so that's the one I'm talking about. Um, but I just recently got divorced, and it was, we were together for about 12 years, I think. So it's kind of a recent uh, separation. Okay. Yeah, and, and we can dive right into that. Uh, you said it's a recent divorce. How recent is that? Um, it was official last October, and he moved out of the house last May, so it's been about just about a year. Just about a year. Okay, and how are you feeling uh, today about it all? Um, I feel good that I'm not in that situation anymore, but leaving a situation I was a a stay-at-home mom and I haven't worked in 10 years so going from just being able to take care of your children all day um to having to support them is a whole nother set of problems but I would choose this over that any day yeah and and so how many how many kids do you have I have two they're 10 and 7 10 and 7 okay okay and you said you were a stay-at-home mom for um, some of that time? Yeah, so when my son was born, uh, while well, I was pregnant with him, um, so about mid-2008, I guess, um, I stopped working because I was having really, really bad headaches instead of morning sickness. And so I stopped working, and then I've just been a stay-at-home mom for that whole time. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I know the morning sickness can be pretty tough sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if we kind of get into the the divorce and and the reasons for that, what um what kind of happened there and and you can kind of start wherever you'd want to on that part and and uh yeah, just jump in wherever you want to for where you want to talk about where that relationship kind of started going south or what led up to that divorce okay um so we had a lot of problems it wasn't just one specific problem um maybe about five or six years ago we started having problems in the bedroom and it was he's uh he has a job where he's away a lot so we would only see him um for a few days a month if that and so he when he would come home he was just very demanding and um not very considerate if I wasn't feeling well or not in the mood or whatever and so it kind of very quickly turned into a thing where I realized that it was just quicker and less stressful to just let it happen instead of trying to stand up for myself and fight it and so I lived like that for quite a few years where it was just 
I was always ready for him to leave when it was time for him to leave. And um, then about, I'm, I'm kind of bad with timelines, so I'm going to say about two years ago, um, he decided that he was ready to be at home more, so he looked for a different job that would have him home, you know, come home every single night. And when he first told me that, my heart just sunk because I was like, there's no way that I can just do this all day, every day for the rest of my life. What am I going to do? And I had no idea what I was going to do. And so we came home and he was home for a few months and we had a really epic blowout one night um, where some non-consensual things happened. And I ended up pregnant as a result of that. And I had a very hard time with that because um my youngest was five at the time and I didn't want that huge of an age gap I thought I was done with kids the whole nine yards and so I wasn't ready for that and then um I finally you know I told my kids and my then husband and my family and everybody was really excited for us the kids were over the moon and um I started to catch the excitement and get really excited about it. And just maybe about a week or so after I had finally come to terms with it and I was, you know, starting to buy things and getting excited, um, I ended up in the hospital and lost the baby. Mm. And it was devastating for me. Like, I didn't even know anybody who had miscarried before. My mom had, but, you know, it was before she had me, so I didn't have any experience with it. So it was easily one of the most devastating things that had happened to me and um I didn't get a lot of support from him through it my sister was my rock and she was there for me and took care of me and did everything I needed and all that stuff and so when I got out of the hospital and I got back home um the doctor told us no sex until uh the bleeding is completely finished and he didn't like that and so you know I was emotionally devastated um for lots of reasons and kind of felt like it was my fault because I hadn't wanted to be pregnant to begin with and so I was dealing with a ton of stuff and I had no interest or mental capacity to want to be intimate at all for any reason and he thought that the only way for me to get over that was to just force me to do it every single day and you know obviously that didn't help anything and so Um, I could just kind of finally hit a point where I was like, you know what? I am not doing this for the rest of my life. And it was just like a a switch flipped inside of me. And I decided that I was going to start standing up for myself. And so I started saying no, and I started holding my ground. And it was really ugly. And um, things went downhill pretty quickly from there um, when I started standing up for myself and... um, not letting him just do whatever he wanted to do and we went to counseling for a while and um our pastor tried to counsel us um as well as a professional counselor and it was very frustrating because um he turned into a different person in the counseling room and said all of the right things and she thought that we were making so much progress and it was really interesting to me because my pastor saw right through that because he knew us better than she did And he finally came up to me and told me one day that I have to stop taking the reins because I was like 
I don't really know how to describe it, but I was just kind of like the doer of the relationship. If something needed to be done, I was the one to remind him to do it. And my pastor came up to me and was like, you need to back off and you need to let him choose to do these things because he, you need to see that he wants to do these things to fix your marriage. And so I backed off and it was really hard to do. And it became really apparent really quickly that he was not actually interested in fixing our marriage. Hmm. And so we had a lot of fights after that, that turned into me realizing that he thought legitimately thought that all of the problems in our relationship were my fault because I didn't want to have sex enough because I didn't like him touching me. Um, and he, because he didn't think that he was a problem, like he didn't think he had anything that needed to be fixed. And so that was the state of our marriage for maybe four months or so. And it doesn't sound like a long time, but that was one of the longest periods of my life that felt like it was never going to end. And I did a lot of praying and talking to my pastor and talking to my sisters and, uh, finally told him one day, you know, like, if you're not going to try, I'm done trying either. I don't think I have anything left in me. And he took that as, okay, we're getting a divorce and had a girlfriend two days later. And that was the end. Wow. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing. And, and that's, um, that takes a lot to, to share that and kind of relive that. And, um, just talking about it now, how, how does it make you feel? Um, it makes me feel sad that I put up with it for so long, but it also feels good to tell somebody about it because when I was in that situation, this was something I was thinking about earlier. I didn't realize that the situation that I was in was abusive. I was just like, I felt like I was in survival mode, just trying to get from one day to the next. So now that I can stop and I'm in a safe space and I can look back on it and realize that was a bad situation and you got yourself out of it. It feels good to be able to look back at it and be like, Hey, I was strong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really empowering to, to know that you found your voice and you're able to stand up to him. Um, you had kind of mentioned that when you started saying no, that's when you started to see some issues. Uh, what, what were some of his responses when, he he was putting on some sexual pressure and you you said no what what were some of his responses um he pushed back really hard and he just refused to take no for an answer and it was almost like um when you have a kid that wants candy and you tell him no you're not going to have candy because we're eating lunch in 15 minutes and they just keep asking and they just keep asking and they just keep asking that had been his tactic to wear me down because I would eventually just get so sick of it. I'd be like, fine, we'll go do it. Um, so he would do that and just, he wouldn't even come and ask me. He would text me, um, on my phone from the next room and be like, Hey, can we have sex? Hey, can we have sex? Hey, can we have sex? And then he would, you know, I don't know if it's okay to be graphic. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Okay. So, when I would say, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm with the kids right now. We're doing school or whatever. He'd be like, well, just come in and help, you know, like give me a blowjob or jerk me off or just stand here and watch. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so he just kept, he, he didn't like to hear no. And so he would just keep pushing it. And then when he would realize it wasn't going to happen and he would take care of himself, he would be 
nasty for the rest of the day and he wouldn't talk mm. to me and just kind of give me the cold shoulder and ignore me yeah yeah and and when um did you find did you did you feel that he was more pressuring when he was already aroused or did that not make a difference it was just whenever he felt like it Honestly, I don't know how to answer that question because I think he was aroused 95% of the time. Um, I would say it was definitely worse when he was aroused because, you know, afterwards, you know, if I would give in or whatever, it would be fine. But it was more than once a day and it was every single day. Yeah. And you said um, at least once a day, sometimes more more than once a day. If you were to give a percentage of how many times you did not want to participate in that overall, what where would you put your percentage at? Um, towards the end, for like maybe the last two years, I would say it's probably 90% of the time I didn't want to participate. Um, another thing that really frustrated me um, closer to the beginning of the five years when we started having problems was that he was asking all the time and he never gave me a chance to um, feel aroused and want to initiate myself and that was very frustrating for me because he would already be at that point and ready to go and I'm like well you know I was just thinking about doing the dishes so give me an hour and then we'll be there Um, so that was very frustrating and then towards you know towards the end um, it was just like being touched at all completely repulsed me and I still have a hard time being touched by people um that aren't my kids or my sisters yeah yeah that that goes um that's a lot it's a lot to work through once once it gets to that point and with with him did you feel that um him touching you in in any way was an indication that it was him was you saying okay um like giving consent so therefore it was better to not be touched at all yes absolutely um i actually texted my sisters in a panic one morning um because i was at work and i saw two of my coworkers just kind of like casually touching each other on the arm while they were conversing and stuff like that and it felt so inappropriate and graphic to me and i pulled back for a second and i was like they're literally just touching each other on the arm. What is wrong with me? And then I realized that, you know, every single time he touched me, that was the only the only time he ever touched me was when he wanted something like that. And so now kind of when I see people touching each other, I'm like, that's where that's going to lead. And so, yeah, it was, it was definitely a I don't want to be touched at all for any reason kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, I think that will relate to... A, for a lot of people and the one reason why I was hoping to get your story was because you were married I think um, a lot of sexual issues around consent actually happen with married couples um, because there's an assumption there uh, a lot a lot of times with males that um, that makes everything okay and that obviously that's not true um, right. in the beginning of your relationship and or when you guys were dating was there ever a chance when you were able to talk openly about um sexual things with him about um consent or turn-ons or turn-offs or anything like that um i would say that we never had a conversation like that um i was raised very conservatively um so my parents taught me you don't have sex before marriage um 
almost to the point where it's like the biggest sin worse than killing somebody if you do that so when I started dating him we did have sex before we got married and it was just a it felt like a huge burden on my soul like I enjoyed it and I wanted to do it and I wanted to make him happy um and I think that that probably tainted our experience once we did finally get married because I still kind of felt like it was wrong um and it felt like it was wrong to talk about it and um I don't think he was very had a very healthy growing up like his parents talking to him about sex and stuff like that so I don't think either one of us would have known to have that conversation yeah so it wasn't even it wasn't even a a possibility because it's your parents never talked to you about it his parents never talked to him about it yeah 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 and um once you were married was there ever a point where you were able to have any any sort of open conversation with him about really any of it anything did a lot of begging um when I finally started realizing the reason I wasn't enjoying sex as much anymore because he was not giving me the chance to initiate um I sat down and I talked to him about it a lot we had a lot of conversations about it and he just kind of kept going back to he didn't believe that I would ever initiate because he was horny and ready to go like you know, every single day, and if I were to initiate, initiate, it might be three times a week, um, so he, he just didn't trust me, um, he thought that it was me looking for a reason to, um, not have sex anymore, and so that was very frustrating, we had a lot of conversations about it, but nothing ever came of it. Right, right. And you had mentioned that at one point um, you started seeing both the pastor and a counselor. Do you remember, was the counselor uh, an, a marriage and family counselor? Or do you remember what type of counselor that was? Honestly, I don't think she was a marriage counselor. And I think that was probably where we went wrong. Um, because I didn't, I didn't have any experience with counseling and I didn't know what I needed to look for. Um, and so she was kind of the first name that popped up and I called and said, Hey, we're having marriage problems. Can you talk to us? Sure. And she was like, yeah, of course. And she was a very nice person. I would probably go back to her for individual counseling. Um, but yeah, I don't think she was a marriage counselor. Right. And how many times, uh, did you guys see her before stop stopping to go see her? Um, I believe we were going every week and I want to say we went for about two months Okay. And and you said kind of overall that didn't really help? Not really. I mean, it it kind of helped us, like, be able to talk to each other about surface things. Um, like, I like to play video games, and I get on uh, voice chat with my friends, and um, I never really wanted him to come in and play with me because he would embarrass me because he would just start talking about, you know, how I'm his wife and he loves me and I'm a very quiet, kind of shy background person and I don't like it when people draw attention to me. And so I I would never invite him to come along and that was one of the things he talked about to the counselor was just that he felt really left out and unwanted and so she kind of helped us be able to work through that and talk to each other about that, which was cool because like her techniques were kind of neat, but it didn't get down to like the base pro 
problem that we were having because I didn't feel comfortable talking about it to her in front of him. Right. Right. Because, and, and maybe this is reading into it a bit, but it sounds like growing up, that just wasn't a, a topic that was openly discussed. Right. Absolutely. When you, um, either now or, or when you were married, were you able to talk with your parents at all about any of this, or is that still something that is not brought up? Um, I did, like, when we officially decided that we were getting divorced, um, or when I realized that it was going to happen, I did go and talk to them about it, and, um, had a kind of unfavorable reply from my dad, um, mostly because he, you know, I don't talk to them about anything, so he had no idea what was going on, um, and my mom was sad about it, but she didn't have a whole lot to say either, and I didn't go into specifics with either of them. Hmm. So right now, do you feel support from them, or do you feel unsupported? Um, I would say I don't feel support from them, but my sisters are my best friends, and they absolutely support me. That's good. And uh, if you don't mind me asking, how many sisters, and what's your what's your birth order with them? Uh, I have two sisters. I'm the oldest. Oldest. Okay. And do you feel like you're the oldest? Uh, sometimes you can say your psychological birth order is different than um, actual birth order. Do you feel like the oldest? Um, not really. When I was younger, I felt like the oldest. I would say I definitely feel like my middle sister is more psychologically the oldest. Okay. And so then do you more identify with being a, a middle uh, child or the youngest? Um, I'm not sure. I would say probably middle child. Yeah. Which, and, and there, I think the, uh, there's still debate on, on how much birth order actually affects all of this, but it is interesting that a lot of times the middle child is the peacemaker, the one that doesn't make waves, um, that type <laughs> of thing. So it is interesting that you say that. Yes. Um, Okay, yeah. So kind of going back to a general sense of things, and and again, going back to the whole point for for Ask Every Time and the reason why we're doing any of this, uh, when it comes to sexual consent, what what is what are those two words, uh, sexual consent, what does that mean to you? Um... I would say that means to me respecting someone enough to stop when you can tell that they're not into it. Like, even if they don't say no and you're just picking up signals that they don't want to, um, or even being aware enough to realize that someone is not into what's happening. I think that's a, a really good way of describing it. And, and if you're okay with that, I'm actually writing that down, trying to catch it word for word. Um, yeah, totally. You said that that's respecting someone enough to stop when you can tell that they're not into it, even if they're not saying no. Yes. Mm-hmm. And have you ever looked up the actual definition for sexual assault? Uh, no, I can't say I have. Okay. And... It does, it does vary state to state, and there are different state laws on it, but really the overarching definition for sexual assault is any unwanted sexual touching to any degree. So it, it's not just including rape, but it includes um, any sort of unwanted sexual touching of any part that can be considered sexual in the body. 
uh, and it also includes being forced to watch someone else do something sexual. So um, under those definitions, it sounds like quite a few times uh, your husband probably crossed into the, your ex-husband crossed over the line into sexual assault. So that's something to maybe think about and, and process too is that uh, in, in your marriage it sounds like quite often there was there was sexual assault there and uh, so that, that is something to, to process. Do you know, are you working with a, a counselor? Do you have someone that you can keep processing all of this with? I'm actually not um, because I am between jobs right now and I don't have insurance and I've been kind of frustrated because the job that I'm getting ready to go into doesn't provide insurance either because I'll be working for myself but it is something that I am aware needs to happen I just haven't figured out how to make it happen yet sure absolutely I know that's a a limiting factor for a lot of individuals is the cost of seeing a therapist Um, that's one thing we're trying to work on is is building a fund to kind of help provide funding so that people can can see therapists because uh, that does seem to be the main limiting factor I think that's really beautiful well it, it and and like exactly what you're saying that it's it's the main it's the main limiting factor so if we can help with that 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 would be good uh, with with your story and if you were to speak to maybe specifically other women going into a marriage or considering marriage what would be some overall advice in this realm that you would try to give them um i would say if you feel like something is wrong and you're unhappy all the time that you should figure out how to take a step back and evaluate if you're in an abusive relationship or not because like i said at the beginning i didn't realize until several months had passed after he left that I had been in an abusive relationship until I started reading things about gaslighting and um, sexual abuse and consent. I didn't even realize that it was happening to me because I was just so focused on trying to be happy and trying to make him happy and the kids and everything. So if you feel unhappy all the time and you can't figure out why, you know, maybe see if you have a trusted friend that you could talk to and tell them some of the things that's been going on because when I finally started telling my sister some of the stuff that was going on, they were shocked and horrified. And yeah, I guess that would be my advice. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's very valid advice and especially coming from someone that's, that's gone through that. Um, and you mentioned your sisters, are they also married? Uh, one is, one is not. The one that's not is currently lives with me and is helping me with my kids right now. Oh, that works out. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious as to if, if you have any indications that your sister that's married is going through any similar issues. Um, definitely not. I mean, they do. That's good. Um, I think have issues probably just because she was raised the same way that I was and probably feels the same way about sex and things that I did. Um, but it's not, it's not abusive, I don't believe. That's good. Yeah, and that's part of all this too is, is to see that it's not all men all the time. However, it is more prevalent than most people would like to admit to. Yeah, because yeah. it's hard to talk about and it's embarrassing. Why, why does it feel uh, embarrassing at times, do you think? Um, for me, 
I felt really embarrassed because I didn't know what was going on and I could tell that something was wrong and I felt like it was my fault because that's how I was being made to to feel and so I thought that I couldn't get a handle on my life and so it was embarrassing to talk about it sure yeah absolutely and like you had said a lot of families especially religious Christian families uh, it's it seems to be a topic that just is not discussed yeah absolutely I have friends um who I met later as an adult that were raised similarly that have um similar hang-ups in the bedroom just because it feels you know like you go from not talking about it and thinking this is a sin this is a sin to being married and then expecting to do the thing that you've been told not to do for your whole life and that's really hard switch to flip because it just it still feels wrong and I've been struggling with how do I talk to my kids about this to tell them you know like it's it's not the end of the world if you have sex before you get married um and you know if you feel pressured you need to tell me and stuff like that and I still haven't figured it out I think I might have a couple more years with my oldest but it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately yeah absolutely and that's um, that seems to that that's come up with um, ask every time a few times too. People have been asking us to create some sort of curriculum for uh, raising adolescents and raising kids through teenage years. Um, it sounds like you are already on the right step as far as trying to consider how to have those conversations. And I know there's a few books out there about sexual consent for teenagers that really discuss any sort of pressure, any sort of touching that they feel uncomfortable with, that's that's the first sign that there's something wrong, and that's where they can speak up or remove themselves from that situation. Uh, yeah. But I'll try and find a few of those resources to get to you. Uh, I know that there there's uh, a few books out there that are, that are pretty highly recommended. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of on the whole that unless there's there's more things you wanted to discuss in length or anything um that kind of hit hits to the heart of of what I was hoping to get your story out there and um again do appreciate it and it and it's an important story because you were married for so long and just because you had a long marriage didn't make anything better or change anything in fact it almost sounds like it got worse over time Um, is there anything else you would want to add? Uh, not that I can think of. I think that went better than I expected it to. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate it. And uh, I think if if people wanted to get in contact with you uh, in any way, I will. Uh, they can reach out to us and we will let you know if, if um, there's people that are trying to get in contact, have any specific questions for you, and we'll try and get those to you if that's okay yeah that's fine okay sounds good well again i appreciate your time and i hope you have a good rest of your day and and it really sounds like your life is kind of restarting in a, in a positive way yeah absolutely it is all right thank you thank you so much and that marks the end of today's interview if you have any questions comments or things you'd like to add please email us 
at askeverytimellc at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about Ask Every Time, our mission, or resources, visit askeverytime.com. We're also on Facebook at Ask Every Time. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.